The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Google, the biggest search engine in the world, which has a monopoly on search in this country, appears to have gone out of its way to make it much more difficult for users to learn anything about the Pfizer executive pictured in the footage. And so there is, in other words, on television and in most places online, a near total media blackout of this story. How powerful is Big Pharma? That powerful. A near total blackout, said Tucker last night in his opening monologue. We, uh, we made that point yesterday, uh, pointing you to that Daily Mail piece that first discussed or covered the uh, Project Veritas video, and then it was taken down. Then it was blotted out. It shows you just how powerful, as he notes, how powerful Big Pharma really and truly is. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We certainly appreciate you joining our growing audience. We come to you every weekday morning at 11 a.m. in the central time zone of the United States. One of our Israeli listeners, he emailed me saying, can you point out that it's at 7 p.m. in Israel? So there you go. And this was not uh, from the Eames or the Noctegal family. So we've got some listeners in Israel tuning in. Of course, we, uh, we come to you live at 5 p.m. in and around the Edstone area where our beautiful sister campus is for, uh, for Armstrong College. Also, I don't know if I even mentioned the website, but of course, you go to the website. That's thetrumpet.com. Just go to thetrumpet.com forward slash live, and that takes you to the live stream page. And of course, you can listen or view the show on uh, on demand, if you like, as well. And we're working uh, hard to just try to beef up our social media presence and uh, and, and to improve our, our, our channel on Rumble, since uh, YouTube is so picky with the kind of content that they allow. Uh, Rumble's been a lot, uh, a lot better to work with, so we, we do appreciate that. Speaking of social media, I filed my application for the blue check last week and was approved yesterday, even though I've basically had an inactive Twitter page for years now. I do use Twitter to sort of follow the news feed. I follow quite a few sources. Uh, But now that I've got the blue check, I'm as reputable as Brian Stelter, which means I'm going to need to tweet a lot more than I have been. So we'll see how that that goes. There's, uh, sometimes there's time for that. Sometimes it seems like there isn't. But maybe we can get into a groove and try to be more communicative and letting you know what's coming up on programs or pointing you to programs that we've just completed or anything else that uh, you can fill up the Twitter feed with. In any event, yesterday on the show, you can look at the second half of the program yesterday. I know we talked at great length about uh, Ukraine, the explosive situation in Ukraine, America's involvement, Germany's involvement, sending all the tanks into Ukraine. And then in the second segment, really, just as explosive, if not more so, this, this project Veritas expose of Pfizer the, the high-up executive, of course, the executive is now saying, I'm a nobody, I'm a nobody, I was lying to try to impress my date. We'll show you that confrontation from uh, James O'Keefe 
and this, uh, this executive from Pfizer in just a moment. But first, I want to remind you of a couple of the, uh, the uh, statements made in that first reveal. And that, that video, by the way, I think I was pointing you to Twitter views or those that viewed the tweet yesterday. That's up over 30 million at the moment. Uh, but I think the video has been seen by almost 18 million people. So people are interested in this. And yet, as Tucker brings out there, it's not being cut, except for Tucker. I, I didn't watch Laura Ingram. I know she's talked about the vaccines a, a time or two over the months, the past many months. Maybe she brought it up last night, but, uh, but Tucker had a, a, a pretty thorough breakdown of this Project Veritas reveal. And good for him. But as he correctly notes, you know, nobody at Google, all of them, they're still working to blot this out. Why? As I said yesterday, ratings at MSNBC or, or anywhere would just skyrocket. If 17, 18 million people have viewed this video, it's just 10 minutes. 10 minutes. If that many people have viewed it. Think about how well-received it would be if you just did a segment on it like Tucker did last night. This is uh, the Pfizer director of research. His name is Jordan Walker. Listen to this. Again, I played this yesterday, but listen again. Clip eight. What, what's the goal for, for Pfizer of doing that? So probably what they want to do is like to try to figure out, to some extent, try to figure out, like, you know, there's all these new strains of variants that just pop up. Why don't we try to, like, catch them before they pop up in nature and we can develop a vaccine prophylactically for, like, new variants. Yeah. So that's why they're thinking, like, if you do it control in the lab, then you say, oh, this is an epitope. And so then if it comes out later on, like, in the public, we already have a vaccine kind of working on it. Oh, my God. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. Like, isn't that the, like the best business model though? Like, just control nature before nature even happens itself, right? Yeah, yeah. If it works. <laughs> what do you mean if it works? Because like some of the times like we're just mutations that pop up, right? And we're not prepared for it, like with Delta or Omicron right. and things like that. So who knows? I mean, either way, it's gonna be a cash cow. COVID will probably be a cash cow for us for a while going forward. Like, yeah. I obviously like <laughs> So there he is talking about their gain-of-function research, the fact that they want to keep ahead of the game by uh, experimenting because of all of the, the, the variants. They want to experiment with the virus, just like they did in Wuhan. And then he's acknowledging that this is a cash cow for Pfizer. How is this not a scandalous story covered wire-to-wire -wire on the, the, news, the newsreels? How can it not be? 18 million have viewed it. People are interested, right? He's talking there about their gain-of-function research or what they're going to get into. It's a little unclear as to what they're actually doing. But he acknowledges there, look, this is, this is a lucrative business for Pfizer. And then he talks about how Pfizer is in bed with the feds, in bed with the government, in bed with the FDA. Listen to, again, one more clip from... Uh, from this uh, Project Veritas reveal, clip nine. For all government officials. Wow. Yeah, for any industry though. So like in the pharma industry, all the government uh, officials who like you know review our drugs, mostly yeah. come work for pharma companies. Like the military, like all the like army and defense, like government officials eventually go work for the defense company afterwards. How do you feel about that revolving door? Like it's pretty good for the industry to be honest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's bad for everyone else in America. Why is it bad for everybody else? Because if the regulators who have to approve our drugs know that once they stop being regulated, they want to come work. 
work for the company, then I had these hearts on top of they were hearing as well. Right. The gentleman seems to have absolutely no moral compass at all about what he's doing. The hubris and arrogance and immaturity, if this is the quality of individuals within Pfizer that are making these huge decisions that uh, risk global public health with such a casual disregard for the human toll, it's profoundly corrupt in terms of would it be feasible for Pfizer to circumvent international or national law, I think that is undeniable. And the gentleman in your investigative work has clearly indicated that Pfizer believes that it has successfully captured the regulatory apparatus of the United States government and presumably worldwide. Robert Malone, that's him, the guy responding to this video. He was with Tucker last night saying that uh, really the buried lead in all of this is that Pfizer's vaccine hasn't been able to do the job. So they want to do more gain of function research so that they can get out ahead of these variants, make the variants and then make the vaccine and make everything work. And you're in control and you make a lot of money along the way. I mentioned that tweet from Tom Elliott yesterday, possibly the single most incriminating interview in the history of journalism. That's right. It is journalism because the journalists won't do their job. The journalists won't hold the feet of Pfizer to the fire. The journalists, who was it following the explosive video from Wednesday night? Who was it that then, that, that then followed up and went after Jordan Walker that, that hunted him down, so to speak, to say, hey, what's your response? It, of course, it's James O'Keefe. The creator of the video, he's the only one interested in following up with that Pfizer exec. Well, that clip we just played for you shows that the FDA, the government, they're basically just, as I said yesterday, the PR department for Pfizer. Charles Payne, he's another one of, of a very small number of commentators who are willing to even go here. He's at Fox Business. It says here, amazing, if we lived in a nation that really yearned for truth, this would be the number one story and would spark investigations and maybe even clarity and change. If we, if we lived in a nation where we were seeking truth, think about what a story like this could actually produce or the change that it could bring about if the media were just willing to expose these evils, like the way that James O'Keefe is willing to do. He tweeted out in response to this video he made and its popularity, mo the most watched video in Veritas history, closing in on 16 million views. I think it's up to 18 million at the moment. On Twitter alone, it's become a phenomenon. In an extraordinary series of events, no legacy media seems to be asking questions. How can this be? As I said, yeah. I mean, think about it for a moment. What is the more explosive story here? The fact that Project Veritas got, went in undercover and got this Pfizer exec to say what he said? Or the fact that the legacy media pretends that the video doesn't exist? What is more damning? I mean, they're both. They're both bombshells. But all of the talking heads just gone silent? 
16 million, now 18 million. In an extraordinary series of events, no legacy media seems to be asking questions. That's fine. We'll do their jobs for them. The realization sets in, says James O'Keefe. We are the media now. We are the media. Just believe what, what, uh, what, well, the others would say, those that are the actual blue checks, the ones that were the blue checks before Elon Musk opened it up to anyone. They, they would reassure you by saying, just believe what we say, just take what we report, and these kind of rogue, you know, b- you know, pajama journalists from the basement, don't listen to them. Certainly not James O'Keefe or any like him. As I say, fo- I think it, came, it comes out, what, Wednesday night? And so where were the talking heads then on Thursday, all day yesterday, chasing down this, uh, this uh, what's his name, Jordan Walker, the Pfizer exec? It, it's, leave it to James O'Keefe to do that job as well. He, he is the media now. He's the media and a few others, and that's about it. This was the confrontation following the undercover uh, video footage that was obtained. Well, who knows when that happened, but this happened more recently, I presume. Clip two. Hey there. Is this seat taken? What? Hi. Um, you work for Pfizer. My question for you is, why does Pfizer want to hide from the public the fact that they're mutating the COVID viruses. Is this real life? What is happening here? Bro, first of all, I'm literally a liar. He's he's on video. You're saying we're exploring how the virus keeps um, mutating. Yes, One of the things we're exploring right is, why don't we mutate the virus? I was literally trying, okay. I'm not even a scientist by background, you know, what but I came from a consulting firm right. that does business. Uh, this please, is please, absurd. Please don't touch me. This is absurd. Please so, call the cops here. No, do not give me a check. No, don't let them leave. Are you, do you want me to leave? I want the police to come here and see all of you people. You, this is can, I, can, you, can I ask you about this, this video? Insane. Please. I literally was on a birthday with a guy, and like normal men, you lie to impress a date. Please, this please, is please, un, please unlock the door. Give me what is no, going on here. Stop. You, please, please unlock. Please unlock the door. Please unlock the door. 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 This is this is remarkable here. Thank you. Thank you. We're trying to get unlock the door. Unlock the door. Unlock the door. Unlock the door. It is not. Stop, let go of me, now you're hurting me. What is going on here? You cannot just record people like that. Come on. It's not okay. Come on. It's not okay. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. So the unhinged reaction there after his exposure, he's exposed. He's exposed the entire company, Pfizer. I think Tucker was saying this guy, although it wouldn't seem like it given by this reaction, but he's only like two positions removed from Anthony Borla the CEO, you would think, as I say, there would be wall-to-wall coverage and that everyone, everyone in Congress would be up in arms. As it is, it's just Marco Rubio, is that it? He sends a letter to Anthony Borla. This is from Rubio's piece to Pfizer. I write in response to troubling reports on Pfizer's intention to mutate 
The COVID virus, through gain of function or directed evolution, as detailed by Pfizer, Director of Research and Development, Jordan Walker. And then there he is. There he is during the confrontation saying, I'm just a nobody. I was just on a date. I was just lying to impress. He was lying. Like Tucker said last night, though, he went into great detail explaining this relationship between Pfizer and big government. He went into great detail explaining how that they needed to experiment with the virus so that they could then have the, the vaccine ready. And what a cash cow it would be. What a cash cow it is, even at present. Rubio says here, as a leader in global public health and development of the CDC vaccine, with American taxpayer dollars, it's critical that Pfizer is accountable for their actions and that they be transparent with the public on the substance and intent of their research. And, you know, Tucker, I forget who he was talking to last night. Maybe it was Dr. Malone. In any event, he was saying that in, in Washington, D.C., he's lived there for so many years of his life. Everybody knows you've got this incestual relationship between big government and big tech or between big government, big pharma. Everyone knows this. So he, Walker can sit there and lie or, or run around the room and lie. But it's an open secret. These people, they retire from their, gov their posh government positions and they go right over to Pfizer or they go right over to Twitter or they go right over to Facebook. The Twitter files have revealed this. All these people are being exposed. There's a video that was circulating on social media yesterday as well. The guy commenting on it, it's a video conference. I think it went on for, uh, for nine hours, either yesterday or the day before. His name is Tom Shimabukuro. He's the director of CDC, the CDC Vaccine Task Force. This, uh, this is the 178th meeting of, of vaccines and related biological products advisory committee. So they're getting together through the Zoom call. Uh, but notice what this, this CDC Vaccine Task Force head had to say with respect to the vaccine side effects or the vaccine injuries. This is clip one. With respect to... Um reports of people experiencing um, debilitating illnesses. Um, I mean, we, we, are, we are aware of these um, reports of, of people experiencing long-lasting health problems following COVID vaccination. Uh, in some cases, the clinical presentation of people suffering these health problems is variable and no specific medical cause for the symptoms have been found. Um, we understand that illness is disruptive and stressful, especially under those circumstances. And we acknowledge these health problems have substantially impacted the quality of life for people and have also affected those around them. And we hope uh, for improvement and recovery. And we will continue to monitor the safety of these vaccines and, and work with partners to try to better understand these types of adverse events. A rare bit of uh, sounds like contrition. I mean, he's at least acknowledging that, that some have suffered as a result of the, the vaccine and that family members of those who suffer also are struggling through this. That's coming from the CDC. That's not something you see very often. But you see, they know, and it's becoming more and more impossible to hide the fact that there's serious side effects associated with these drugs made, made by Pfizer, brought to you by Pfizer. Do you think Pfizer will ever 
be held to account? Do you think a, a rep from Pfizer will ever come forward and say, look, we know there have been some side effects, some injuries here associated with it, even in, in some cases, death. And we're really sorry about that. And we want to make sure that going forward, we correct the problem. Not a, there's not enough of that. This is a local news site reporting on that conference, that video conference you just saw there. It says America's top doctors met on a virtual meeting with the Food and Drug Administration on the heels of a new study that revealed COVID boosters' efficacy rate isn't as high as some might expect. So they're, they're assembling together, some might say scrambling, to come together. The efficacy, it's not as effective as we thought that it would be. Bill Gates has admitted this. It's not as effective as we thought it would be. And then what about the injuries? This is from the Daily Mail also on a little bit of a different story, but about the FDA. It says getting Pfizer's COVID uh, bivalent booster and a flu shot on the same day may raise the risk of a stroke, a small official analysis suggests. So you've got the COVID vaccine on the one hand then the flu shot on the other. You do them at the same time, you could increase your chances of getting a stroke. I mean, that doesn't exactly get me excited about taking one or the other separately. Do them together, though. And this is, they are, as I say, they're scrambling. They're trying to explain themselves. They're, they're trying to backtrack ever so slightly. Because you can't. I saw one uh, doctor just the other day talking about the incidence of, of excess deaths in, in, in multiple countries. And most of them the more prosperous Western countries that were sold on the vaccine from the beginning. Other third world nations where they didn't get into the vaccines. Yeah, not so much heart disease, uh, strokes, all of, these, all of these problems that we're experiencing in the West. And you know as well as I that the United States, <laughs> Western Europe, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, we have led the way. And now look at what's happening to our people. Yet still, still, most in the media, still in denial. This is from the Charlotte Observer. Notice this. Videos appearing to show people experiencing severe side effects after alleged, allegedly receiving COVID-19 vaccines are making the rounds on social media as part of a renewed push from anti-vaccine movements to cast out on safety. It's a new push, you see, the anti-vaxxers. And so they're pulling up all these videos of, uh, of young people just collapsing and dying on the field. 14-year-old girl in, in Italy, uh, a well-known soccer player, collapsed, died. Happens all the time, right? 25-year-old football player played for the Detroit Lions. Not Hamlin. Hamlin, he's been, that happened, what, 19, 20 days ago? And he hasn't been seen on TV. We didn't see his face when he went to the game. Nobody's interviewed him. Nobody's seen him. Just to forget about the video. And if the video surfaces, then throw a tantrum. Throw a tantrum across the restaurant. But as best you can, you suppress those videos. Look at the Paul Pelosi. That, that video is just now coming out, even as we speak. And listen to this CBS report. Uh, in a rare case where the media actually wanted the video. Usually the media is there suppressing it, like with Project Veritas. But here's an instance where quite a few in the media, they wanted the, the body cam footage. 
of the hammer attack at the Pelosi household. Listen to this report, though, from CBS. This is, I think it's CBS Local in San Francisco, clip six. Body cam footage of the hammer attack on Paul Pelosi at his San Francisco home will be made public first thing tomorrow. In a rare show of unity, prosecutors joined the defense in opposing the release. Wilson Walker explains why. Not just the body camera video, we expect to hear the 911 call and see surveillance video as well as a portion of an interview conducted with attacked suspect David DePaps shortly after his arrest. It was a San Francisco judge that ordered the release of this evidence after a coalition of news agencies argued that it is public record. But it was against the wishes of both sides in this case. Deputy Public Defender Adam Lipson, who is representing DePap, issued a statement saying, quote, I oppose the release of the requested evidence because it could inhibit Mr. DePap's ability to get a fair trial and could fuel conspiracy theories about the case. Uh, I think what's clear is that this case uh, is vulnerable to misinformation. We are seeing that was District Attorney Brooke Jenkins back in November. She argued against the release of this material on grounds that it might fuel more misinformation and that the public's right to pretrial material is not absolute, but this evidence was presented by prosecutors at a court hearing in December. So the prosecutors and the public defender, they both wanted to keep the footage suppressed, but to their credit, there were some in the media that said, no, it's public information. We should be able to see it. But you notice how the, the government officials say that, well, we can't release the footage because that's, uh, I mean, that would only fuel misinformation. The footage is what makes it obvious what happened. Okay, so we now know. He actually was in his underwear when he was attacked. We now know this because we just saw it because it's on the video. We don't have to debate back and forth. Was he? Was he not? What? No, that was misinformation. No, it wasn't. This is from the, the book, America Under Attack. If you haven't re received your copy yet, make sure you call our operators today, 1-866-930-3024. My father writes, Hitler, referring back to Hitler of uh, World War II, it says, spoke of magic interpretation in terms of the will. Hitler said, in effect, this is how it works now. Your logic, facts, evidence, and truth won't stop us. We follow a magic interpretation today. Will wor worship is impervious to truth. This is what we're supposed to follow. You see the same spirit today. Just take what we say. You don't need to see any footage. I mean, that could fuel misinformation. It says here, when human beings reject God's truth, they start worshiping their own opinions. You see a lot of that today in the media. How could Google and all the rest in the legacy media cover up, cover up the Project Veritas revelation? Well, because they want you to just worship their opinion, their take. Whatever their take is, just, just go with it and move on. When we come back, we'll make similar points with respect to the footage that's revealing what actually happened on January 6th. You know, the, the, the so-called insurrection. All part of the same story in so many ways. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily, the 800 number again. If you want to request America Under Attack, that's 1-866-930-3024. We will be right back. The Trumpet Daily. What has happened to the United States of America? The wealthiest, most powerful nation in human history is suddenly divided. 
weakened, radical. The evil in America has grown powerful. The good has grown weak. The honorable parts of American history are succumbing to a direct, targeted, sustained assault. Someone, something is dismantling America's history, purpose, and character. Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Political dysfunction, social strife, economic peril, catastrophic moral failure, fires, attacks, riots, lies. The nation is being attacked from within by its own leaders. Powerful elites in government, journalism, academia, and beyond are intentionally, rapidly destroying what America is in order to make it into something else. There is a reason why your nation is crumbling before your eyes. There is a spirit and a specific perpetrator that is attempting to blot out America. Only America Under Attack reveals that perpetrator and the motive and spirit behind him. This newly expanded book shows you the reason why America has changed so dramatically, so suddenly. If you're confused and concerned about what is happening to America, request your free copy of America Under Attack by Gerald Flurry at thetrumpet.com. Trumpet Daily. Early on, as protesters gathered on the western side of the Capitol, police began lobbing flashbang grenades into the densely packed crowd. Flashbangs are a highly controversial crowd control tactic known to cause hearing loss, eye damage, and other injuries. Why would police throw these into areas of the crowd that weren't at the front scuffling with police? Police fired what appeared to be pepper balls into a crowd gathering at a stairwell. It looks as though one officer began firing into the crowd indiscriminately before there was any confrontation. In some cases, police are seen brutally beating people on the ground. In the most horrifying scene from that day, an officer shot Ashley Babbitt through her chest at point-blank range as she stepped up to go through a broken window and a door to the speaker's lobby. Witnesses at the scene say the officer never uttered a warning to Babbitt, and he was hiding in a doorway when he fired the shot out of her line of sight. So there you go. That's from our uh, mini documentary from last January. We made that about a year ago. And really, there's more that's being revealed. More footage is coming out. As you know, Kevin McCarthy has said, we want to get 14,000 hours out there. And there's, there's, law, or there's cases going on right now in the D.C. courts where footage, like with the Pelosi incident, footage, Project Veritas, underco undercover footage in that case, that's being revealed. Julie, uh, Julie Kelly at American Greatness, she has a piece from yesterday saying, January 6 was the worst incident of police brutality since the civil rights era. The worst incident of police brutality that here, these policemen on that day, they have since been given medals of honor 
for their, for their behavior. In every other case except that one, certainly in recent years, you've got legacy media and radical Democrats gang-tackling the police. Look at what they're doing to these five police officers in Memphis. And they're all black. The, the man that died, he's black as well. So, of course, they want to make it about race. How do you make it about race? Candace Owens just gives the, the basics of that, the facts of that tragic incident. He was high on drugs. The, uh, num number two, he had just done a hit and run. He tried to get into someone else's vehicle. He ran from police. He resisted arrest. And all the officers that tackled him and that subdued him, and later he died because of his injuries, all the officers involved were black. So th now that's a big story. That all of those officers have been removed from their position. The media is ganging up on them. And yet look at what the police were doing on January 6th. They were firing these explosives into the crowd. Even the people in the back of the crowd that weren't pushing up against the barriers. They weren't attacking the, the perimeter of the police line. Nothing. And yet here come the flashbangs. Here come the grenades. Here come everything to just stir up the crowd. Julie Kelly says here, but a growing body of evidence suggests neither stupidity nor incompetence can justify what now appears to be the worst incident of police brutality against political protesters since the civil rights era. She explains how that for two years we've been watching just cherry-picked angles, video that fit nicely within the narrative established by the radical left. She says, Officer Daniel Thau he was on a mission, sounding alternative, uh, alternatively like a madman or a bully. Thou desperately pleaded with other officers to give him munitions to use against the crowd despite a relatively controlled atmosphere outside. Over the more than 75 minutes that Thou was behind the police lines at ground level, he was like a one-man strike force, Epic Times reporter said. Further, Thou admitted the unwarranted attacks were backfiring. We're taking out one and ten are getting more angrier. We're multiplying them by hitting them. Even he admitted it. We're firing these flashbangs into the crowd and it's just angering the crowd. And so what is, look at the police there just beating that individual. And then of course Ashley Babbitt, that's the worst of it. And you're still murky on the details. There was two other Trump supporters that died of a heart attack that day. And then there's uh, Roseanne Boyle. And that, that footage is inconclusive. It's unclear, but evidently she sustained a beating somehow or another as well before she died. This is police brutality. And yet look at how it's being treated. You still have Trump supporters being persecuted for this, rotting away in jail. And then the Capitol Hill police, they're receiving rewards. Yeah, the guy involved in the sicknick supposedly supposedly fired bear spray in his direction and Sicknick died the next day. You've got members of the Capitol Hill police going to the, I think the sentencing for that guy is today or, or maybe Monday. It's inconceivable to them that as we covered on yesterday's program, that it might have been their own police officers shooting off these explosives that backfired and actually, actually went in the direction of some of the police officers. There's so much about this day that has been concealed carefully, carefully, 
because there's only one storyline that Nancy Pelosi ever wanted you to take away from this. Only one. Same with the hammer attack. We'll probably find out more on that. There's the body cam footage, but evidently DePap is going to have some things to say in his interview, his first interview after the attack. And we'll see what happens. It, it looked, the looks of it is that it's a brutal attack. The fact that Mr. Pelosi, though, is in his underwear with a cocktail in one hand, it does raise some questions. What was going on there? Well, the, the district attorney, even the public defender, they don't want the footage to get out there. They don't want you to see it because they just want you to worship their opinion. Just accept their opinion on the matter. That's all that matters. And it's the same here with Jan 6. It says here, the tension in the crowd was getting higher and higher as the flashbang grenades were going on or off around us, said Gary Diskin, D.C. emergency medical technician. Police continued throwing grenades as paramedics attempted to reach the two stricken men. Two men died of a heart attack. Roseanne Boyle. She, I forget what the circumstances, again, that's a little bit more murky. And then, of course, you have Ashley, Ashley Babbitt. Pretty amazing. Again, this is despite the fact that there, there are forces at play here working so hard to cover the truth. As my father brings out in America Under Attack, God is lifting the lid off of this corruption. And you're, you're seeing it. In some cases, you're seeing the actual footage yourself. You're seeing the undercover uh, interview yourself. Call our operators today and make sure you order America under attack. That's one eight six six. If you live the eight hundred number, if you live in America, Canada, or the Caribbean, one eight six six nine three zero three zero two four. So let us transition over to our Bible study segment as we wrap up another week of broadcasting here on KPCG at thetrumpet.com, the website. Just go to thetrumpet.com forward slash live. That takes you right over to our live stream page, as I said, at the top of the show. Lots and lots of news to keep up with today. It'll be interesting. It's been quite a week in the way of exposure. A lot of evil, a lot of lawlessness has been exposed this week. And it just seems to be, you know, gathering momentum. It seems to be intensifying. My father was talking 10 or 11 months ago about the tide beginning to, to turn. And you're certainly seeing this this past week as a pretty significant week in that regard. So I was talking the other day to the, the students in a forum here at the college just about a, a visit that I made to the Portland uh, Public Library. Uh, this probably was 10 or 12 years ago. I was at Portland recently. Uh, over the past year, and it's really sad and tragic to see what's happening to the the city, all the homelessness and the people, you know, shooting up drugs right out there in the open. And it's Portland's not alone, of course. Seattle's there with them. San Francisco, Los Angeles, what's happening to America's cities? So sad, so tragic, and 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 it could be avoided. Much of it, I mean, our sins have brought this upon us. No political administration is going to be able to fix the problems of this city. But we, when you see how America is being attacked, it's just made so much worse by these radical leftist policies, for sure. In any event, when I visited the Portland Library 10, 12 years ago, I went in there because that was where Herbert Armstrong uh, carried out much of his six-month night-and-day study. 
and he said he was there when the the doors swung open i think it was 9 a.m and then he was he was basically the the library officials would come to him at 9 p.m and say you know we're closing up you got to head home he went home and uh, a lot of nights mr armstrong said he was up you know till midnight or 1 a.m his wife had to to beg him to come to bed just so he could get some rest but he was immersing himself into a study of god's word he had been challenged by his wife on the subject of the sabbath and by a relative on the subject of evolution and so he wanted to prove it for himself and he went to the original source and he went to a lot of Bible helps as well. He had never been to a seminary. He was working from scratch in so many ways. He was like so many Christians today, just uh, accepting the traditions of men and going along with it, assuming it to be true. And that six-month night and day study, he, it just blew his mind as he came to a knowledge of certain basic fundamental truths of God's Word, truths that are not taught in so many of the churches of this world. Mr. Armstrong wrote about his experience at the Portland Library back in 1926 and 1927, that original experience, the six-month night and day study. He was writing about it in 1964 or 5, I think it was. In any event, he did what I did, he, except earlier. He went and visited the Portland Library after all of those years, 30-some years, and he looked around at the library and he said, Man, look at how everything has changed. Look at the kinds of books that are out on display today, he said, in the mid-1960s. As compared to 1927, 1926, he was just shocked at how much worse, at how much worse at what, what we were putting into our minds. This is in the mid-1960s. As I was telling the students the other day, what would he say today if you compared the Portland Public Library to, in 1926, to what's there in the library today in 2023. Brad McDonald, our colleague here on campus, he wrote a, an article back in 2010 called A Lesson from the Library, and in that he talked about the transformation in the library systems, the transformation of what used to be a place of soul-searching solitude, for, to pretty much an internet cafe. That's, that's really what, what libraries today specialize in. You've got to have all the connections, all the gadgets, and of course access to the games, the movies, and everything else. Facebook, a lot of people go in there to uh, follow their Facebook feed or their Twitter feed. I mean, I suppose there's some books, but yeah, compare the books today to what would have been in there in 1927. This is from Nicholas Carr's book, The Shallows. He said, a particularly striking illustration of how the, the internet is, is reshaping the expectations about media can be seen in any library. Although we don't tend to think of libraries as media technologies, they are. The public library in is, in fact, one of the most important and influential informational media ever created, and one that proliferated only after the arrival of silent, silent reading and movable type print says further on, today's library is just so very different. Brad McDonald in that piece, A Lesson uh, from the Library, he, he quotes, I think he's quoting from Nicholas Carr at one point, but it says, according to the American Library Association, 99% of U.S. public library branches provide internet access. The average branch has 11 public computers. 
So it's all about the computer, the laptop, the phone in your back pocket. Nicholas Carr says in his book, Take the Bronx Library Center, a four-year-old branch of the New York Public Library. The people using the computers are young and aren't necessarily using them for academic purposes. Here's one doing a Google search in Hannah, Mon Hannah Montana pictures. There's one updating his Facebook page. And over there, a few children are playing video games. I think Carr wrote his book, The Shallows, back in uh, the 2010-2011 period. So that book, is not, he talks in that book about how our brains have just been rewired because of all the distractions, because of all the, the online pulls and temptations. And we can't think as deeply as we used to. We were talking in a meeting just, just yesterday with some from editorial and other departments here at the church, the church headquarters, just, to, just about how challenging it is to break through all the noise and to reach people who are interested in, in more than a, a cursory way, you know, where they'll actually get into a 200-page book and study it as, it as it relates to the Holy Bible, as it relates to world events that we're seeing play out around us. It does take some digging to get to the truth of God. You can understand it. There's a simplicity to it. But mo my father makes a point in this book, by the way, how that with the Mueller investigation and all the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, you can get to the truth of it. You can expose that hoax, but you just have to do a little bit of digging. And most people aren't willing to do that. They just accept the fact that, well, Adam Schiff says it. If Schiff says it, it must be, it must be a, a hoax. Or sorry, it must be true. It was actually a hoax. He's furious, by the way, right now, because, because McCarthy did, in many ways, he did the same thing to him that Pelosi did to some of the conservatives, like Jim Jordan. And they, they throw a fit like the guy in the restaurant. How dare you knock me off of that committee? Well, you're a proven liar. Even the FBI knows this. So what does he do? He gets booted off a committee, and then he announces he's running for senator. He wants to promote. He wants a promotion. What a world this is. It just takes a little bit of digging, though, and you can expose these frauds, and you can get to the truth. And the truth, as Jesus said, will set you free. Let me read to you a verse. This is Zechariah 6. In verse 15, it says, And they that are far off shall come and build in the temple of the Eternal, and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you, and this shall come to pass if, it says, if you will diligently obey the voice of the Eternal your God. It'll come to pass. God will look after you. God will take care of you if you diligently obey. We've got to be diligent in our obedience to God. This morning in Epistles, we went through Romans 8. What an inspiring study. I mean, you get the, the whole sweeping course of God's plan and purpose as it starts with God lifting us up, a, a lump of clay taken right out from the dunghill, filling us with his spirit, Christ in you, and how that that down payment of our eternal inheritance as it naturally progresses with God working in our lives, it, it extends right on out into the universe. Flows right into the universe. This is from the New Throne of David book, my father's book. I believe that's up here as well. Maybe not. There it is. 
the new throne of David. If you don't have this in your library, call our operators today. If you want to, if you want to do a little bit of digging, if you want to go deeper than the Internet Cafe, call the 800 number, 1-866-930-3024, and request the new throne of David. Here's a quote from it. It says, the word translated obey, that's in Zechariah 6.15, also means to give undivided attention, obedience, or listening. It means to understand what one has heard. The main idea of the Hebrew word is perceiving a message, understanding it. The Moffat says, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Eternal, your God, listen carefully and hear God's message, you can know and prove it's God's message. That's what God wants. We must give serious attention to this new revelation. This is not easy to grasp. It requires in-depth Bible study and prayer. There's that example over in Acts 17 about the Bereans and how that God said that they were more noble than those at Thessalonica because they searched the scriptures diligently to see if what Paul was saying was so, to prove the truth. The Bible says, prove all things and hold fast that which is good. Hold on to it. As I was saying in class this morning, look at how many of God's people in these last days receive the truth. Receive the truth with, with joy, presumably. Really fired up about studying the Word of God. And yet so many of them fell away. So many of them lost that first love their love waxed cold. That's Matthew 24, 12. We do have to endure to the end. The very next verse says, Matthew 24, 13. It's an endurance race, and we've got to finish. That's all part of counting the cost. We have to stay the course. We have to finish the race. It's nice to get off to a good start. I often tell those who are getting baptized here at the college that you want that. We pray for that. Who doesn't want to get off to a good start? But what good is it if you don't finish the race strong, if you don't endure to the end? Who's going to be saved in the end? Well, Matthew 24, 13 says, the ones that endure to the end. So that means this, this plan of salvation is a process, isn't it? It starts with the begettle at baptism, but it continues right through to the birth at the resurrection, like it says about Christ in Romans 1 and verse 4. And that process from begettal to birth, there has to be rapid and continuous growth, just like there is with human reproduction. Just, just like when that ovum is fertilized by the Father, and then after that, just rapid growth, continuous growth for 40 straight weeks. And so in the spiritual sense, considering second. Peter 3, verse 18, and other scriptures, other scriptures like it, we have to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have to hunger and thirst for righteousness, as Jesus said in Matthew 5. We have to fill up on the Word of God. Increase, as it says in Colossians 1, I think in verse 10. Proverbs 25 and verse 2, notice this. It says, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. You see, in some cases, God purposefully conceals a matter 
to see if we're really diligent in searching it out, to see if we're really hungry for understanding and truth. John chapter 6, verse 12, this is the, I'll just hit a couple of high spots here, the miracle of the fish and the loaves, Christ feeding thousands of people miraculously. It says in verse 12, when they had filled, when they were filled, filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Gather up all the fragments, and they filled up 12 huge baskets with the leftovers. And all they had was just a, a tiny amount of food to begin with. God performed a tremendous, a tremendous miracle to feed all of these people. And then Jesus got to the point of this in verse 27. He says, labor not for the meat which perishes, the physical in other words, but for the meat which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him has God the Father sealed. See, labor for spiritual food. Live by every word that proceeds down from heaven. Live by the word of God. Consume it. Labor after it. Be diligent. Search. We've got to diligently obey. Matthew 4 and verse 4, it says, But he, he answered, this is Jesus speaking, He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every single word. Every single word. Proverbs 3.13 says, Happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding. I mean, this is how we fill up on happiness and joy. This is how we maintain a a positive and hopeful, optimistic outlook. It, It is possible to be joyous, even in the midst of sore trial. Hebrews 12 and verse 2 says that Christ endured what he did at the end for the joy that was right before him. You can be positive even in the midst of a fiery trial. God says rejoice in those trials. How do you do it? Well, by feeding on God's word, by diligently obeying God's word. Don't forget to call our operators, request the the new throne of David. Also, I mentioned America under attack. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. If you'd like to email the show, we can hopefully get to some emails next week. It's td at thetrumpet.com. We thank you for joining us on today's show. Thank you for joining us all week, and we'll see you next time.